0: I want to talk to you today about Jesus' parable that had to do with the lost and the found. Jesus spoke in parables. Uh, I counted, and it amazed me, that we have recorded, he taught 46 parables. That's just the ones we have recorded. When Jesus taught a parable, he he would make up a story to teach a spiritual truth. Now, in Luke 15, it's called the lost and found chapter, because Luke 15 uh, gives us four things lost and four things found. There's a lost sheep, lost coin, lost son, and a lost older brother. The sheep is lost by straying. The coin is lost by neglect. We're going to see today the son was lost by rebellion. And next time, the elder brother was lost by religion. Some of you have been lost by religion. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about the lost son. Probably, no doubt, Jesus' best-known parable of all time, the prodigal son. And I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible, so uh, it's going to be on the screen for you to follow along. And if you want to follow in your Bible, it won't sound just like yours, because I'm reading it out of the Living Bible. Probably not many of you have that. But it just puts it so simply, and and I want to be clearly understood. Now, remember... Jesus gave this parable because he got criticized. They said, look at you. You're eating and drinking with the drunken, with sinners, notorious sinners. And what are you doing, Jesus? You ought to be with us righteous people. And Jesus launched into a parable. And in that one parable were those four things, lost and found. Now let's look at the son To further illustrate the point of the importance of the lost being found... He told them this story. A man had two sons. When the younger told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. I'm, I'm not going to sit around and wait for you to croak, dad. I want it now. His father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son <clears throat> packed all of his belongings And took a trip to a distant land and there wasted all his money on parties and prostitutes. Everybody say, "Uh uh-oh. About the time his money was gone, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. And the boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. That's low. And no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired men have enough food and to spare. And here I am, stupid me, dying of hunger. I threw that in. <laughs> I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son because, or, or please take me on as just a hired man. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming and was filled with loving pity and ran and swatted him and thrashed him. Is that what he did? He embraced him and he kissed him. Isn't that beautiful? His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm not worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the slaves or the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. And a jeweled ring for his finger and shoes. And kill the calf we have in the fattening pen. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine. Now look at his condition. He was dead and he's returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. So the party began amen amen father thank you that you're a loving merciful compassionate forgiving long-suffering patient god and lord so many of us have strayed most all of us in one way or another at some time or another and lord we found a merciful god waiting for us the porch light was still on Now, Lord, I'm asking you in Jesus' name to bring this simple story home to us. And I pray that if there's anybody out there in the far country, a prodigal, speak to them and bring them home in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them God loves you more than you know. I think we identify with the story of the prodigal. Because because it's so true to life. Either right now we have ourselves left the father's house in one way or another and we understand this story, we get it, it speaks to us. Or we know somebody, maybe even a child or a spouse or an in-law or a really good friend has strayed. And they're out there in the far country thinking they're going to find something and you've been praying for them, and your heart is heavy for them, and this story is to them. And I know what it's like to have a child going to the far country, and it's a it's a real faith tester. And I want to encourage you today that God's got everything under control. And isn't this a beautiful story showing that God longs for that one to return? Amen? Can we thank him for that? Amen. Amen. Now, um, in this parable... The father, of course, is God. And we need to understand that the son represents a child of God. You, me, professing Christians. He was not a stranger. He was the father's son. He'd grown up in the father's house. So this is not somebody lost that has never known the father. This is somebody found that strayed. And it went off into the far country, went into rebellion. We would call it backsliding. And now the Father is waiting for them to return. This parable is like a brilliant gem. You can turn it from almost any angle and it glitters and glistens. And there's so many things I could say about it. I could spend a month on this one parable so easily, but I can't. So I want to pull out three things that just leap off the page uh, to my heart, and that I believe that God wants me to focus on today. And the first thing is this. The, 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 the son was lured out of his father's house by a double-edged sword of discontentment and temptation. See, something was going on in this boy's heart and mind before he ever left. The devil was working on him way before he ever walked away. Something got into his life, into his heart, into his thinking, And ultimately, it caused him to walk away. The prodigal had decided, I'm sick of the father's house. I'm sick of the rules. I'm sick of the restrictions. I'm sick of the discipline. I'm sick of of being in the father's house. I'm tired of the same old, same old. There's got to be better than this somewhere out there. And he became discontented. The fact of the matter is, he had it made in the father's house. Amen? We've often heard the, the statement, You don't know what you had until you lose it. If you ever tried walking away from the father's house and getting out there in the world and seeing what's really there, man, you run back saying to yourself, I didn't know what I had until I lost it. In the father's house, he was very well provided for. The father was good to them. The father was wealthy. We know that he was wealthy because when he went to throw a party, he had all kinds of cattle, all kinds of goods, to slaughter and make ready for this party. We know that he had wealth because he had laid up an inheritance for both boys. And when the younger son went to him disrespectfully and said, I want what I want and I want it now, the father just divided his inheritance to both boys. One of the boys stayed and the other boy left. I noticed an attitude in this boy. He didn't come and say, Father... Would you please consider letting me have my inheritance a little bit early? Please think about it. And if you don't, that's okay. But if you do, that's okay too. No, he had an attitude. And that tells me something was going on before he ever left. His attitude was, give me the portion. Give me, give me the portion of goods due to me. I want mine now. Clearly something had been growing in his heart, an attitude, a rebellious attitude, a discontented attitude. We see in his disrespectful approach to the father that he had developed an over-the-top sense of entitlement. You owe me. A study was done of juvenile delinquents a number of years ago, and I read the study. And in this study, they found one thing about juvenile delinquents who were in jail. And that is they had an incredible sense of entitlement. You owe me. I don't owe you. You owe me. And this is what was going on in this boy. He had a juvenile delinquent mentality. You owe me. You owe me. Give it to me now. You owe it to me. It's not something you earned. It's not your money. It's mine. Give it to me now. So discontentment and rebellion and this entitlement attitude were festering down underneath the layers of his soul. And join with discontentment was enticement to sin. Let me tell you something about discontentment. Discontentment is like a dog whistle to the devil. In your life and mine, when we allow ourselves to get discontent, that's why the Bible says, be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But when we get discontented, we start thinking, you know, I'm just tired of this Christian stuff. I'm tired of church. I'm tired of walking with with God and reading the Bible and not being able to have fun like everybody else around me. I'm tired of the restrictions and the uh, boundaries and the borders and the parameters around my life. I want out of this. And we get discontent. There's something better for me. I'm tired of this. Somehow, this young man had heard about a distant place where wine, women, and song could be found in abundance. Maybe some of the father's servants, when he was hanging around with them, began talking about this place. Jesus called it the far country. We call it the world. The world. The far country is the world and all that it offers. All of its glittering glistening, call, lure, temptation, the world. Jesus called it the far country. He had heard about this place. Somehow he had heard about it and it went down into his mind like a bad seed. And he began to think about it. And the more he thought about that far country, the more discontent he became with the Father's house. Jesus is so clear here. Our Lord was a master at, truth-telling and and wrapping truth in a story that we can understand. And so he's letting us know this boy had something get into his thinking that caused him to come to the conclusion uh, uh, church is a drag, Christianity is a drag, the Father's house is a drag, uh, there's something better for me, and I'm tired of this, and I'm being held back, and, 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 and I'm not experiencing life like all my friends are. And the more discontented he became with the father's house, the devil reached in, jumped in, and the devil took advantage of it. He sowed into his mind a lie. You are missing out. Ever heard that voice? Here you are, you're seeking God, you're praying every day, you're in the word, you're going to church, you're crucifying your flesh, you're dying to yourself, you're, 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 you're walking with Jesus. And that little voice that comes and whispers and says, you're missing out. Look at all the fun everybody around you has had. All those people in your workplace. All those people that don't go to church like you do. Look at all the fun they're having. Listen to the stories they're telling. And that little seed gets in. You're missing out. Being stuck in the father's house. And the lie finally took root. He decided, I want endless partying and fun. I want a life without rules and restrictions. I want a place where I can go where I want, when I want, and do what I want. Finally, he couldn't stand it any longer. He said, give me what's due me. And as soon as he gave it to him, he packed his stuff and he was out. Headed to the far country. Now, when you track him... You see that when he got to the far country, here's the second thing in this story that jumped at me. He just totally gave in in wild abandon to sin. He gave totally, I mean, he went in 110%. He gave sinning everything he could. On arriving to the far country, he completely surrendered all of his carnal fantasies. And there was a lot of them. He was probably thinking, I I believe he was thinking, man, I should have done this a long time ago. I'm having the time of my life. This is a blast. I can't believe I sat in the Father's house all that time. I can't believe I didn't do this sooner. I can't believe I sat there and wasted all those years in the Father's house when I could have been having so much fun like I'm having now. He found that he was very quickly surrounded by people who were more than happy to show him around town. And he was amazed at how easy it was to make friends. I can't believe how easy it is to make friends in this far country. Man, they're drawn to me like moths to a light bulb. I got it going on. Jesus said he went on a wild spending spree and he threw away his entire inheritance on prodigal living. Now the word prodigal means extremely or extravagantly wasteful. The father had worked for hours to put that money away, our heavenly Father is rich beyond dreams. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, who has has lots of good and perfect gifts. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus said, "He's wealthy. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There's nothing that is not at His disposal." This father had saved up for this boy, laid it aside, thinking of him, thinking of the day that he would die and the son would need some money, and he laid aside this incredible inheritance, and this boy took it. He took it forcefully. He took it disrespectfully, and he went straight to the far country and immediately went on a spending spree and wasted it, wasted it, wasted it, threw it away on frivolous nothing. He put the pedal to the metal. He said, I have dreamed about this for years now. Now I'm going to let it all hang out. His actions echo what King Solomon wrote about his own life. King Solomon got very autobiographical in Ecclesiastes. And here's what Solomon said. And this is what this boy had to have said to himself. I said to myself, I should have fun. I should enjoy everything as much as I can. So I decided, said Solomon, to fill my body with wine. I tried this foolishness because I wanted to find a way to be happy. Anything my eyes saw and wanted, I got for myself anything. Total abandon to carnal pleasure. So for a while, this prodigal son was having the time of his life. But as I told you, Jesus always told the truth about life and living. He always told the truth. He is my philosopher. He is my teacher. He is my guide. He is my counselor. He is my wisdom. He is my knowledge. He is my understanding. He is my all in all. Jesus teaches me about life and living. And Jesus, in his parable, said very soon he began to experience brutal reversals. The first reversal was his money ran out. One day he opened up his wallet to pay the latest tab and there was no more green in it. It was all gone. The inheritance the father had lovingly laid aside for him over a number of years was totally gone. His 401k was gone. His future was gone, kaput, wasted, lost. He had nothing now. Nothing to live on for the rest of his life. Reversal number one. When you're in the far country, you always run out of your stuff. The second reversal was the truth about his far country friends. Remember them? They want to run with him, made friends real quickly. Hey, good to have you in the far country. Let's go have a great time. They laughed with him, partied with him, hung with him, showed him all the best bars and clubs but they always managed to leave the bill with him. Oop, I forgot my wallet. I'm sorry. You ever eaten with people like that? <laughs> I had a millionaire friend one time. He was a millionaire. But every time we went to eat, he like, you know, golly, I left my wallet at home. I got to thinking that's how he became a millionaire. <laughs> Never did he have his wallet with him. Oop, I forgot my, my wallet, prodigal but you pay the bill. You're rich. Your father blessed you. You know, it's funny when you go to the far country, you go on, you go on residue from the father's blessings. You've got some residue with you. You've got, you've got what the father gave you. You take it with you and then you spend it and squander it and waste it in the far country. The truth of his so-called friends smacked him like a bad dream. They've been using him. You ever feel like that? Do you ever have that feeling? Do you ever wake up and realize those people that were slapping you on the back and having a good old time with you and running with you and, 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 and helping you spend your money that you wake up one day and when the money's gone and the fun is over, they're gone too? Do you ever experience that? That's far country friends. Far country friends invariably proved to be fair weather friends who love not you, but yours. His friends had disappeared once the money was gone. He texted them, but they didn't answer. They turned off their phones when he called. You know why? Because no more money. We can't get anything else from you. We're out hunting for our next victim, our next sucker. The truth hitting him like a punch in the gut. He'd be, been running with takers and fakers and users and losers and fair-weather phonies that vanished. We had nothing left to give them. And that's the world. The world's a mirage. You ever see one of those movies where you got somebody lost in the desert and they're dying of thirst, and all of a sudden, out there over yonder, they see they see a pool of water, and they start scrambling and pushing and running to to, to dive into that water and get a drink. But when they get there, they realize it was just a mirage. It was fake. It was phony. It was an illusion. And that's the world. The world's a great, big, fat mirage. You think you're going to get a drink of water. You think you're going to get it fulfilled. You think you're going to have a good time. You think you're going to find your answers. But when you get there, you find nothing but hot sand sifting through your trembling fingers because there really wasn't anything there. It was a mirage. There's nothing in that world. I'm glad to tell you, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof. The world passes away in the lust thereof. Can I say it one more time? The world is passing away in all of its lust. but he that does the will of God (laughs) abides forever. And as if, These two reversals weren't enough. Here comes another one. Jesus said, When he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. The once appealing, far country has now become a place of hunger and need and a vicious fight for survival. The glitter is gone, the glistening is gone, the sparkle is gone, the attractiveness of it is gone. Now he's just trying to get by day by day. He takes any job he can find. And for a Jewish young man to get a job with a pig farmer and get into the pig slop and eat pig food was the lowest of the low of the low. He's living on yesterday's McDonald's. And this is the way it always happens when we leave the Father's house and head to the far country. That's what always happens. We find ourselves, listen, where we never thought we'd be, consuming what we never thought we'd eat, enslaved to things we never thought we'd serve. Come on, everybody. I'm talking real today. You leave the father's house and you go out in the far country. I'm going to go have a good time. And for a while, there is pleasure in sin for a season. Listen carefully to me. The consequences always roll in, and they spell empty. How do you spell empty? Let me tell you how I spell empty, the far country. That's how I spell empty. What is empty? The far country. The far country is empty. The prodigal son was now empty of friends, empty of money, and empty of options. And this is because sin Always promises what it can't deliver. Always. Can I tell you the truth about sin? Here's the truth about sin. Now you'll notice that lurking behind every temptation, there is a promise. Have you ever thought about it? Well, I'm really tempted, Pastor Jeff. I'm I'm tempted to go here, go there, do this, do that, look at this, look at that. But listen to me. Behind every temptation, here's the way they work. There is a promise. If you do this, you're going to have fun. You're going to be fulfilled. You're going to have joy. You're going to find yourself. You're going to find an answer. You're going to be happy. You're going to be content. You're going to have your dreams fulfilled. If you do this, behind every temptation, there is a promise. There is a promise that it's going to do something for you. If there was no such promise, there would be no temptation. You'll be content. You'll have joy. You'll enjoy life once and for all. Satan went so far as to tell Eve, here was his promise, if you eat of the forbidden fruit, you're going to be like God. That's the promise. She said, well, I want to be like God. He said, because God's cheating you. God's holding back from you. You're not enjoying everything that you could. Same old lie, same old lie. Satan has nothing new in his bag of tricks. God's holding back from you. You're missing out. You're not enjoying what you could. God lied to you about that tree. God lied to you about running with those people. God lied to you about those drugs. God lied to you about that, that particular thing that is being offered to you. God lied. Eat of it. And when she did, she didn't become like God she became less like god the lure of the far country not only lies to you puts puts a false promise in it but but it appeals to your rights it whispers you deserve this don't others don't understand you but people in the far country do understand you and you deserve a break you deserve this you deserve to go here or go there experience this or that you deserve it you've worked hard you've tried All these things are exactly what was whispered in the prodigal son's head before he ever left. But Jesus' parable reveals that sin's pleasures only last for a season. Can I tell you the truth about sin? The Bible says that Moses chose rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures. Everybody say fleeting pleasures. Fleeting pleasures of sin. Another version puts it this way. He chose not to enjoy the pleasures of sin that last such a short time. There's pleasure in sin for a season, for a short time, for a brief hour. And that's what's so deceptive about it because you say when you go into it, when you give into it, you say, well, what, what what I'm experiencing is not what they told me I would experience at all. I'm having a blast. But the consequences haven't rolled in yet. This son, if you had gone up to him the first couple of weeks in the far country, he would have said, man, I should have done this long ago. But if you went to him at the end, he would have said, biggest mistake of my whole life. Prodigal son had his fun, but now he's beset and battered with brutal reversals. But I'm so glad to say that the story ends on a high note. The prodigal son's return home. The Bible says... He came to himself. Now, now, that's a phrase that talks about coming out of craziness, coming out of nuttiness, coming out of lunacy. He, he said he came to himself. That means he came from insanity to sanity, from craziness to soundness. Now he's talking to himself Really, He wakes up one day and he says, essentially, what in the world am I doing? How many of you have ever done that? Come on. What am I doing? Come on, tell the truth. What am I doing? He said, what am I doing? What am I doing? I had it made in my father's house. And now look at me. I'm eating pig's food, sleeping with pigs, living in the mud. And even my father's servants are better off than me right now. I have been the devil's fool. And he came to himself. He said, okay, I better put together a speech. I'm going home. I'm going home. I better put together a repentance speech. So he starts going over this speech, rehearsing his speech, because he just knows his dad is going to let him have it if he has anything to do with him at all. And he heads back down the same road that has brought him here. And as he's walking down this road, the Bible says, this is what gets me about this story, while he was still a long way off, when he could barely, he's he's a little speck on the horizon, That tells me the father was looking for him. The father was pining for him. The father was longing for him. The father was broken over him. The father couldn't wait. The father was longing for his son to come home. And when he sees him coming, hey, the father ran towards him. He didn't even make it halfway. And the father ran towards him. As soon as the father knew, my son has turned, he ran towards him. The son sees him coming, he's probably thinking, "Uh uh-oh, he's so mad, he's coming towards me. It says the father gets to him, and the father, I love this, filled with love, filled with compassion, ran to him, embraced him, kissed him, wept over him. All the boy's fears of how his father was going to react to him proved false He didn't yell at him. He didn't reject him. He didn't turn away from him. He didn't berate him. He just said, son, I've waited so long for you to come back. I haven't been able to sleep at night. I've thought about you day and night. I've looked down this road every single day until the sun set, and I couldn't see down the road anymore. I long for you to return. It broke my heart. I never quit loving you. You never stopped being my son. You never stopped being my child. And now that you have returned home, all I can do is rejoice and celebrate. Son, you have made my day. You have made my year. You have made my life because I will never stop loving you. And that is the father's love towards every child of God that strays. Come on, everybody. And he embraced him, took him home, and threw a great big celebration party for the son who had returned. So let me give you this parable in a nutshell, just three quick things. The intent of Jesus' parable here is to once again illustrate how we all tend to stray like sheep. How straying never pays. And the heavenly father's longing for us to return and his mercy when we do. That's the parable. Can we stand together today? How many of you are glad the Father loves you more than you could ever imagine? Come on, everybody. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise? Come on. Shout unto God. He's a good God. He's a good God. I think what touches me most about it is the Father knew when he turned and ran to him. All it takes is one prayer. Father, here I am eating what I thought I'd never eat, serving what I thought I'd never serve, going places I thought I'd never go, and I'm turning and I'm coming home. And when you say that, Jesus told us what the Father does. The angels rejoice, and the Father runs and embraces and forgives and loves and restores. You're my son. You're my daughter. That never stopped. Amen? Can we just lift our hands to a merciful God? Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this incredible story of the Father's love, the Father's forgiveness, the Father's grace. Thank you, Lord, for this story you gave to us to give us a spiritual truth. And Lord, we thank you that you waited on us, were patient with us until we turned. If you're so thankful you turned, give the Lord a wave offering and say, Lord, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful I turned. I'm so thankful I turned. Gone was the far country. Gone were the pigs, the pig food, the pig life. Gone. And now I'm back in the father's house. Now with our heads bowed, I want to just ask a question. If you can say, you know, Jeff, I've gotten away from the father's house in some ways. You know, you can be in the father's house and not be of the father's house. You can be in the father's house, but your heart still not be with the father of the house. It's so easy to stray, so easy to get away. But this word has spoken to you. And as I read about this boy saying, what am I doing? I need to go home. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you today. I don't know. But if it is, with our heads bowed, let me just ask a question. If you can say, Jeff, that's me. I know there's a part of my life at least where I need to come home to the Father's house. Would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand right where you are. Put them up high. God bless you all over this place. Many people all over this place. I'm going to pray a prayer with you right now. And let's just pray this right to the Father. Say this with me right now if you raise your hand. Say, Lord, I'm coming to myself. What have I been doing? I ask you to forgive me and wash me of all unrighteousness. I'm coming home today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, raise your hand with me. Raise it high and say, I prayed it. I prayed it, Jeff. Amen. Amen everywhere. Many, many people. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that? Thank you, Lord.